You're listening to the Running Around Charlotte podcast presented by the Novant Health Charlotte Marathon. One day, five events with a race day distance for every goal and pace. Find out more or register at runcharlotte.com. This week's episode is brought to you by Pinnacle Financial Partners and Ally. They may not be able to help you hit your mile splits, but Ally can help you plan for the future. Explore all the ways you can map out your financial goals with Ally at ally.com. Ally, a proud sponsor of the Novon Health Charlotte Marathon and athletes everywhere. Now, here are your hosts for the Running Around Charlotte podcast, Tim Rhodes and DC Lucchese. Today on the Running Around Charlotte podcast, we are going to talk about all things medical as it relates to our endurance events and specifically the Novant Health Charlotte Marathon coming up in just a few weeks. Dr. Rentz has been with Novant Health and is part of the medical team heading up what you would see at the finish line. Hopefully no one has had to uh, visit, but um, you guys stay kind of busy. Good morning, Dr. Rentz. Good morning. We definitely do stay busy. So kind of give us some background. uh, Just, you know, you're a doctor. Give us some background on that. What do you... What do you specialize in? How did you get involved in the uh, the marathon as the medical director? Sure. Uh, I am an emergency physician, and I've been with uh, a group called NEMA, our Mid-Atlantic Emergency Medical Associates, uh, for about 15 years. Uh, we contract with Novant uh, to provide care in the emergency room uh, in the greater Charlotte area, and I... I've been working the medical tent at the marathon, I think, for eight or nine years, definitely eight consecutive years. I took over the medical director position for event medicine for Novant uh, seven years ago. And so we do uh, hundreds, literally, of events a year uh, with that position um, and the event medicine team. But uh, the, the marathon is always a highlight every year. So one of our favorites and I get to participate. So there you go. We're glad to hear that. It's, it's the highlight of your year. That (laughs) that makes us feel good. Um, so for, for someone who's participating and and they're like, yeah, why I'm not, you know, I, I get a few cramps here and there, but you know, by and large, most people don't even know that there's kind of the medical thing going on. Right. But what what happens at a finish line of of an, a marathon, for example? What what kind of you're you're in the walk off area? What we call the walk off area. So you get a medal, you get uh, maybe a heat sheet, and and about that point, you're you're near the medical tent. You you've got a team of docs and nurses and um, EMTs there. What what are you looking for in in finishers? Um, that you might approach and say, hey, I might want to talk to you for a second. Sure. Uh, We get a fair amount. I would say the majority of our patients that come through there are very minor things, thankfully. Uh, Lots of blisters, maybe a little scrape from a a trip and fall or an isolated muscle cramp uh, that they like to have worked on. but the things that we watch out for are, are people who look like they're potentially maybe a little confused, looking weak, looking very wobbly. Uh, lots of people walk off that finish line feeling wobbly. Um, 
And so one of the, the biggest things that I wanted to bring up was uh, we're watching for people who come off, look wobbly, and then stop walking um, yeah, because it really puts you at risk for um, for something called exercise-associated collapse, which is a, is a kind of broad term for getting weak and dizzy all the way to actually passing out after after a prolonged intense exercise physically blood pools in your legs and uh, doesn't make it back up to your heart and your brain where you need it and and um, can cause you to you know, pass out potentially. So we're watching for anybody that, that looks like they are weak or even potentially about to pass out um, and bring them into the tent and we can take care of pretty much any medical emergency um, at least stabilize inside that tent Certainly, we are very close to uh, hospitals being uptown where we are. So we can send anyone to the hospital that we really need to. Um, that's a rare occurrence. Most of the stuff we can take care of mm-hmm. in the tent itself. Well, well Tim and I look uh, wobbly and confused pretty much all the time. <laughs> so as a professional, how do you, how do you discern between eh, that guy just looks weak and wobbly and confused between <laughs> That person is really probably in need of services. I'm sure well, you know, a, when you guys walk through the tent, we right? do ask you. <laughs> For <laughs> obvious reasons. We're concerned every time. <laughs> For obvious reasons, right. All right, okay, seriously, seriously, seriously. Um, if there were anything that you could tell folks that are about to jump into, whether it's the marathon or anything else that that – that your team is assembled and ready to respond to. If there's anything you could share with, with the audience in advance, what would you tell them? I would tell them to run the race they're prepared to run. Um, training is key and pre-race nutrition and hydration is really important. Uh, it is not a great idea to try to push through if you feel like you're not ready to run a marathon yeah. or if you're sick. Uh, in the days leading up to the event, um, it can really impact your ability to finish the race, to do well in the race, to recover from the race. Um, and certainly if you're, you don't want to run, if you have a fever or anything like that, um, I would say don't change your shoes. This is all sort of, I'm sure basic runner, runner, uh, rules, but wear the same clothing sports bras, underwear, shoes, socks that you've been training with. Uh, we do get a fair amount of people who like to try out their new shoes and then end up with a lot of blisters. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, those are the main things for pre-race that I would so recommend. Logistically, it's, I, I, I imagine it's not just a wake up at 5.30 on race day morning and show up and, you know, the medical tent is there and um, the rest of your team is there. I I would imagine that there's a lot of planning that goes into this. There is. Um, We have the benefit of of having sort of worked this this marathon uh, in some form for many years at this point. So, um, coming up on 20, yeah, yeah. Pretty soon. Yeah. So crazy. It is. I would like to say it's a well-oiled machine. We, we, but we meet, uh, monthly for several months leading up to the race. We have 
um, you know, a, a debrief after the race is completed each year and, uh, you know, talk about things that we can change, what we can do better. Uh, we, we look at the placement of the medical tents, uh, where we are going to have medical stations um, throughout, uh, where our staff is best used, both the event medicine staff and the athletic trainers, sports medicine doctors that are um, participating in the medical care. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big undertaking, but I feel like we have, we have a lot of useful information and history behind us. And I think that history thing is important too. We were goofing around before we, uh, you know, pushed the record button here this morning, and you know, a lot of the folks, such as yourself, uh, who are on this squad, are athletes themselves, right? I mean, like you said, you played collegiate field hockey. Uh, you still work out on the regular, you know. Dr. Keith Anderson, whom we've known forever and ever, Amen. You know, he, you know, he's on on the team too, and you know, he's a you know Ironman himself and a marathoner and all that, and many of the other folks that we see on game day, you know, are experienced athletes and can kind of not just do the job, but they feel the feel too. So, so they know they know what it's like to be in that position. So they know how to not just you know professionally respond, but also personally respond, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, he brings lots of personal, firsthand knowledge of, of what athletes experience, uh, endurance, specifically endurance athletes experience. So that's that's always uh, good to have. And we've got two, um, usually two sports medicine physicians, keep being one of them, in the tent with us, mm-hmm. and three or four athletic trainers. Um, and then I'm there, and one or two other emergency physicians and it's all a group of people that are, you know, former or current athletes and um, just really enjoy the sport. Now your, your husband is also a doctor. If for, for those of you who don't know, right. Mr. Dr. Renz. Yes. Mr. Dr. Renz. This is Dr. Renz. And um, he's been out there on race day. Is, mm-hmm. is he still, ongoing part of the team? Mr. Dr. Renz uh, does enjoy doing the marathon. He's loved, loved doing that for the past uh, several years as well. Um, we are both working shifts in the emergency department, so uh, it really depends on who's scheduled to work when. Um, he has, does not always get to come because sometimes he has to work my shift or uh, <laughs> or his own shift uh, in order for me to make it there. Um, and then also we have uh, we have two boys that are 8 and 10 years old, and someone still needs to be in charge of them. So uh, this year he is um, this year he is in charge of little boys. So he's not going to make it. So he's not going to make it. Sadly, I I would imagine kind of on a on a personal level, if you will, personal slash professional, having two emergency department docs in the house can make it a little bit challenging with all the schedules, especially eight and 10 year olds. Right. You know, sports and schools and social events and everything else. And, you know, you're juggling your your schedules that that must be kind of crazy. I guess so. I guess it's the crazy, you know, though, uh, for us, it's normal. It's normal. You can ask my kids in 20 years how that worked out, but uh, I, I think we do pretty well. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of handing off. Okay. Tag you're it. But, um, 
I think for both of us, we enjoy having a, a non-schedule, a non-nine-to-five, and that's what drew us to yeah, emergency medicine and that type of lifestyle. So um, I don't know. We enjoy it, and I think we would we enjoy it the way it is um, more than we would enjoy going to work every day, Monday yeah. through Friday. So we get to go to a lot of sporting events for our kids and um, be present for things at school. So it, it works out all right for our family. Very cool. Do you, um, some, some people thrive on, I'll call it chaos, but you know, they, they don't see it as chaos. They see it as in your, in your term, it's the, it's the crazy, you know, right. You know, but some people thrive on that because it, you know, it, it gets the adrenaline going. And I, I would say that probably an emergency room is, is the epitome of what can be at times a very chaotic situation. And then the, you know, the adrenaline starts pumping and some people thrive off of that. Are you one of those? I would, I must be. <laughs> I must be. You, you um, hope you are, right? <laughs> I hope I am. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoy our job, and it certainly is a, a high-stress environment while we're there. Um, I am not, I would say, an adrenaline junkie. I'm not, I'm not jumping out of airplanes or, or extreme sports or any of that stuff. Now, there are some... A, probably a disproportionate number of ER docs who are doing stuff like that. Um, that's just not me, but I, yeah, I absolutely <laughs> enjoy the constant chaos, I guess, um, that work brings. And then I get to leave my shift to come home and, and you know, live the other part of my life that is hopefully not too much chaos. Well, I think we know that's not true because you have children. I can speak from experience there that that is indeed not the case. Um, well, let me, let me ask you this, getting back, getting back to the marathon and, or any, any event like that. And we talked about other uh, things that, uh, that you and your team look for in the athletes there that would make you go, <clears throat> let me see you for a second. Um, what if I'm one of the, an athlete or participant there, what are some things I should be looking for in myself where I should perhaps take a detour and see you on the way out? Sure. Uh, I think if you feel very lightheaded, um, if you feel like your vision is dimming, uh, first thing I would say is if you're still awake enough to do it, get, get yourself to the floor and get your legs up. Uh, we are standing outside of the tent. Mm -hmm. There's always a crew of people standing out there just for the sole purpose of looking for people who look like they're in trouble. So waving somebody on, but um, if you can and getting down to the ground so you don't actually fall mm -hmm. and hurt yourself on the way down um, is important. But uh, if you're having any difficulty breathing beyond what you think is normal for having just finished a race, uh, if you feel like you're wheezing or you're having... Um, any chest pain at all, uh, those are those are the big big things. Or if you're having muscle cramps, um, you know, more than just, oh, my calf is a little sore or something, but truly uh, muscle cramps, you know, in your thighs or multiple places on your body, those are, those are warning signs for sure. Um, one of the other things is if you feel very swollen, um, one of the more serious things that can happen to endurance athletes is um, something called hyponatremia or low sodium uh, levels in the blood. Mm -hmm. And that can happen actually from overhydrating 
um, either before or during or even after the race. Um, you always hear like drink a lot of fluids, um, which is true, but but there are limits to that. Um, what was actually appropriate? There are water stations every two miles, um, which is is great. Uh, what I would say is don't take advantage of two cups of water at every water station for the entire race because you can end up drinking enough water to make your salt level low, and it can um, it can actually make you very sick. It can. Um, uh, you know, anywhere from just making you swollen, but it can cause confusion and brain swelling and even, even death. Um, we've thankfully never had um, a really serious case of that, but that's definitely something we look out for. One of the things that you would notice as a runner, if that was something you're experiencing is whether if you're uh, felt very swollen, particularly your hands, like if your uh, rings aren't fitting, or you're um, feeling any bit of confusion or you kind of don't know what's going on, that's definitely time to seek medical care. Gotcha. That confusion thing keeps coming up, Tim. You and I are just might as well make an appointment at the finish line. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, and I, I, I've run several marathons and it just, you know, you get to the finish line and I, you know, there's a spectrum of, um, conditions that I have felt. Um, but they most often involve, um, cramping I've, I've just never really been able to probably two or three times out of 20 plus i've been able to solve the, the cramping thing and get through an entire marathon without yeah. cramping so you know and i've tried everything i've tried um you know the pills and the you know uh, hydrating more and taking gatorade and instead of water and things like that but it's just you know it's not something that you know i'll try it again next weekend and see if i can <laughs> fine-tune it you know right. so, um, but anyway you know there there is you you touched on it there is this balance between staying well hydrated and not try, you know making sure you don't get over hydrated and um the last time i ran a marathon it get kind of hot out and um I, I couldn't, I, I got behind on my hydration and I couldn't catch up because when I would take water, I, I started to get to feel a little bloated. You know, your stomach gets full and it, it's just like, yeah, I can't really drink anymore, but I kind of feel like I need to because I'm sweating more than I really realize that I'm sweating on a 60 degree summer day, right? Those are kind of the, probably more dangerous than people think because mm -hmm. oh, it's a nice cool day and they, they, they don't really see the sweat it, it just evaporates so quickly. So I, I don't know if you can talk about that and just kind of give some advice on maybe some, some rules of thumb in terms of hydration. Well, before you do that, I want to know where you're running this marathon as a 60 degree summer day. So, yeah, that was in <laughs> Kentucky. Like, okay. I'm like, uh, where is that happening? It I'm was like, <laughs> late, late April. Oh, that's not summer, man. Come on. Well, it was there. Okay. There you go. Fair enough. Summer came early. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. Well, uh, you are absolutely right. The, the 60 degree or greater uh, temperature level is is not ideal for running a marathon. It's very nice for spectators, and it's very nice oh, when yeah. you're just starting off at the, at the starting line. But um, so the, the conditions that the conditions where you want to drink more fluids um, are warmer temperatures, obviously. And if it's very humid, um, you know, the sun is shining versus a very cloudy day. There's a lot of factors into like what the, what the uh, environment does to your body. But um, 
it also depends on how fast you're running the race and, uh, you know, the, the athletes that are running, you know, a three hour marathon need more water than those that are, um, per hour, say, than someone who's running a five hour marathon. But a uh, kind of general rule I would say is would gauge it per hour, um, somewhere between eight and, and 24 ounces, not more than 24 ounces of water in an hour. Um, but a good rule of thumb is to drink a little bit. If you're thirsty, you're going through a water station, take a few sips. If you're, if you're hot and it's not too cold out, you should dump some of it on yourself or, um, but I would just, mostly judging on your level of thirst. But again, if you feel like you are starting to get swollen or that very bloated mm-hmm. feeling, um, that may be a sign that, that you are, that you're actually getting overhydrated and you can still get muscle cramps, even if you're overhydrated and, um, that has to do with your salt level being low. Um, so, you know, if you're getting to that point where you, you feel like you've kind of drank as much as you can, the thing that you can do to help, probably the only thing you can do to help at that point would be to slow down or even or even walk. Um, that's the factor you can change when you're actually in the middle of there the marathon. Yeah. There you go. Well, hopefully none of us will have to see you on marathon weekend. It would be lovely to not see you in a professional sense. <laughs> but it's been lovely to see you, you can here today. Agree. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. Great stuff. Yeah, Dr. Well, Lisa Rents. I really appreciate it. Thank you yep. so much, doctor. Absolutely. Thank you. This was fun. All righty. We'll see you all in a few weeks. Hard to believe. Oh, yes. The Running Around Charlotte podcast is presented by the Novon Health Charlotte Marathon and our partners at Pinnacle Financial and U.S. Bank. Running Around Charlotte is produced in partnership with Well Run Media and Marketing. New episodes are available every week anywhere you listen to podcasts.